grab God's word, remain standing. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Well, hey, somebody's getting blessed today. Amen. Hallelujah. Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Say amen when you're there. And the word of God declares that I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it's finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Now let's say it in concert together. Let's go to the beginning of the scripture. Everyone out loud together with me. And I am certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Father God, I thank you for today. I thank you for the moving of the Holy Spirit that we feel in this place. We honor you, Holy Spirit. We recognize that you are here. Lord, your word is what will complete today. Worship is amazing, yet it is your word which remains forever, God. Worship prepares us to receive the word of God. You have prepared our hearts for this moment. We didn't know it, but you are setting us up for a breakthrough and a breakout today. And we thank you for that, God. We give you the praise. We give you the glory. And God's people with a shout said, Amen. So be it. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord today. Amen. I got to get me a mint here. I don't want to get preacher breath this morning. Yes, there is such a thing. Amen. I love this scripture, and I am certain that God who began, he, he is saying he is certain in some translations, New King James Version, King James Version, it probably reads that, I am confident that God, that he who began a good work, if I had to title anything today, I think I would title, it's not over, touch your neighbor gently or a little abruptly and say it's not over. If they're sleeping, they, they're they going to need to get filled with the Holy Ghost today. Surely nobody's been sleeping through that stuff. But look at your other neighbor and say, hey, hey, neighbor, it's not over till it's over. Amen. He says, I am certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. Makes me think of a story. These two ladies were talking with one another, and and, uh, one lady was talking to her friend about a therapist that she had been seeing, and she was telling her about her most recent visit. And upon her most recent visit, her friend said, well, how was it? She said, it was good. She said, my therapist suggested that I begin to, uh, that I begin to finish things that I started. So I immediately came home and so far I finished two bags of chips and a chocolate cake and I feel better already. How many have ever began something and left it undone? How many projects do you have waiting for you right now when you get home? A bunch. Honeydews. Come on, fellas. For all the single guys in the house, that will be in your vocabulary later in life. How many are like me? You like to get multiple projects going at one time. Come on. Don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed. How many multitaskers? That's what we call ourselves. I just multitask. I start a bunch of stuff and I just leave it and then I come back to it at some point. Anybody ever done that? You started something like, I'll finish it. I'll get to it one day. 
like years later, it's got all dust on it or whatever. How many of you have ever moved recently or you've done the whole spring cleaning and you see stuff that you haven't touched in? Like, you ever moved and you're like, I never knew we had that. Or that's where that was. Anybody ever done that before? You know, you clean something, you're cleaning out your garage, your closet. And you're like, man, I, I was going to finish that. I was going to do that. There's, there's really two types of people in the room today, in the house today. Is It's hard to find a common denominator in this way, but probably 50-50 for most part. There's, there's a kind of, you're kind of like me. You're, you define yourself as a multitasker, which means not really much, but we like that term better than somewhat completer. Like, I don't know that I'm always the best at completing things. I'm a great starter. Man, like, give me a starting line and I'll start. Come on, who else is like that? Don't be ashamed. The Lord loves us. Come on now. I, I, I give me a start line, I will start with the best of them. But it's hard for me to finish some things. There's some things that are easy for me to finish, but if I'm honest and transparent with you this morning, there are saying some things that are tough for me to finish. Then there's the other half in the room that you're probably like my brother, and he's a great finisher, finishes everything that he started. Uh, there's some people, though, you can, you, you, you're, 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 you're single, not single-minded, but you're, you know, you're, you're singular in your ta- approach to task. Like, you have to finish something before you start the next thing. Who, who is that in the house today? Where, where are my peeps out there like that? A couple of you? Well, it seems like we got a church full of starters and not a whole lot of finishers. So I don't know what that says about us. Maybe you reflect the personality of your pastor. Lord Jesus, help us. Send us in the name of Jesus some finishers to the house of the Lord. But does it frustrate anyone when something's not finished? Yeah? Does it frustrate you when something's not finished? Even though I'm not the best finisher, it does frustrate me when things aren't finished, when things are not complete, when they're left undone, when, you know, there's something that needs to be completed. Or uh, Do we have any ADD people in the house? You know, you thought HD was just for high-definition defi- high television, but guess what? They're a high-definition ADD people because they got ADHD. I mean, you're not just crazy. You're high-def crazy. Now, that, that, that's not a, a, a medical term. Please don't go to your doctor and say, I'm high deaf crazy. I'm just saying that, that there, are, there are some things that, there are some things that I'm, real, I'm real particular about. Let me say it that way. Like floors. I get this from my mother. My brother's the same way. My parents, we, we like clean floors. Other things can be dirty, but, man, I love a clean floor. I do. I love a clean floor. Hopefully, when you come to church, you appreciate that. We've done our best. I don't know if we've cleaned anything else, but the floors have been clean. You can eat off of these flows, all right? Maybe before everybody else gets here. But, man, I'm like that about some things. Like, And I, I sweep our floors easily two to three times a day at home. We don't have any carpet. When I say we don't have any carpet in our house, I mean... I think Holly's closet is the only one that's carpet. Everything else is stained concrete or tile or wood floor, which I love because, man, I can sweep up everything. I don't have to worry about my head if there's stuff hiding out in the carpet and lose sleep over it. Now, you may think I'm crazy because, like, what in the world is going through his head? But you're probably like that about something. 
Like, you know, like you're super weird about, we all got something super weird. Maybe it's the toothpaste. How many, it frustrates you if someone takes the toothpaste and they squeeze it right in the middle. Anybody like that? How many like to, uh, you like it, you know, all the way from the end, so you'll take it and you'll like get, find a sharp edge? Anybody like that in here? Some of you have done that before, haven't you? Boy, I, do, I pull out my drawer with that little edges and I, I go through with the toothpaste. Not Holly. So we have our own separate things because that would that'd be marriage counseling for us on the toothpaste thing. She just takes it goes, and tosses it back in. I'm like, what are you doing? So when she's not looking, I grab it and I'm like smoothing it out and trying to get on the toothpaste. But back to what we were originally talking about. Finishing what we started. There, there's... We, we've, we've got to learn to be better finishers, better doers. James writes in, in the book of James, in his book to the church, he talks, about, he talks about being a doer of the word, not just a hearer of the word, that it's more than just hearing God's word. That's, that's great. Congratulations. High five yourself. Give yourself a pat on the back that you heard God's word. But he's saying it's not enough just to hear God's word, but you've got to be a doer of God's word. Look at your neighbor and say, I'm glad you can hear me, but be a doer. Now, maybe you said that to your spouse and you're thinking, Pastor Matt, he does not hear me. Trust me. He hears you fine. But when I talk, <laughs> you know, there, there, are, there are certainly things in life that, that we would all say have been left undone. I think when I, for me, when I think about things in my life that have not been finished or some things in my life, when I think about this scripture that we're reading in Philippians 1, 6, that he who began a good work, that God began a good work in my life is able to see that work through right until the completion, until the day that Jesus Christ returns. Like when I think about that, for me, the word closure comes to my mind. I think about the concept of closure, how, how. There, there are many times someone will lose someone close to them, and we have memorial services and funeral services. It's a way for us to deal with our, our grieving and our death. It's a natural process of life. We're all promised death. I mean, death will come to all of us. We're, no one's going to live forever. I hate to burst your bubble, but you will not live forever on this planet. You will eternity somewhere, either heaven or hell, but while we're here on this planet, the Bible says it's appointed once for man to die. So... Through the memorial service or the grieving process, we have funerals and memorial services, and it gives the family a chance to say their goodbyes, have closure, bring some closure to that situation. And through life, if we're, we grieve over a lot of things. We could grieve over the loss of a job, the loss of a friendship, a relationship gone bad. Grieving can happen in a lot of things. Maybe if you had a car and you wrecked it and you really loved that car. Maybe your dog Bowser died, and I don't know, got run over by the neighbor that you don't like. I, whatever it is, we grieve over a lot of things. It's not just in grief and death or in dying do we need closure, but a lot of us need closure in our life from our past sometimes to move on. Are you with me today, Crossroads family? I believe God already told me this week, the Holy Spirit confirmed in my life that that I am speaking to somebody here today, more than one somebody, somebodies, who, that is your word for today. That Philippians 1, 6, when you read that, that may have not been the word that came to your mind, but it's a word that God gave me to give you today, 
that God is going to bring some closure to your life and your situation. If that's you, I just want you to give God a praise right now in advance. It doesn't have to be everybody, and that's okay. But if you say, Pastor Matt, that word was for me, then closure is for you. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not over. Listen, what God started, he will finish. God's not like us. He can finish things. God's a finisher. He's a finisher. You know how he's, I know he's a finisher? Because I immediately begin to think back into Scripture in the Gospels of Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And when I read about the crucifixion of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, if, if I'm, my memory serves me correct, how many can shout it out that while Jesus was on the cross, what did he say? Say it out loud. Say it like you believe it. Say it like you mean it. Yeah, Jesus says, it's finished. It's finished. I'm bringing closure to the issue of sin. I'm bringing closure to the issue of sin. What the first Adam could not do, Jesus Christ was the second Adam, and he brought closure on the cross. Jesus was cool with closure before we ever knew what closure was. Jesus invented closure before we had a word for it. Jesus says, I'm bringing closure to the issue of sin. So first and foremost, for the person in here who is not a Christ follower, but today you're going to decide to follow Jesus Christ for all the days of your life, you can rest assured that when Jesus stretched out his arms on the cross of Calvary, he brought closure to the issue of sin. And he says, it is finished. Give God a praise today. I told you I preach better and shorter when you shout and when you say amen. All right. In my first closing. What he started, he will finish. Moller Ray, who was a French actor and playwright, said, Long is the road from conception to completion. I like that. Long is the road from conception to completion. It's a long road from the time that you start to the time that you finish. But yet at the same time, have you ever found yourself... I went over to my grandparents' new house uh, yesterday, and, and we'd come back from youth camp. I was gone all week, and I wanted to go see them and spend some time with them. And, and uh, so I was over at their house, and we were, we were just talking about life and how short life can be. You ever notice that in one breath, you know, you can say, man, life is so short. But then the next day you're like, man, it feels like forever. Who else has ever experienced that before? It could be even the same day. Those don't have to be different days. In one breath, it seems like, Life is short. We seem to say that when tragedy strikes someone close to us in our inner circle, when someone young passes before their time, that seems to be something that we, will, we tend to say. It helps us, and that's okay. There's nothing wrong with that. But we've all said that in many different scenarios and different cases. Man, life, life is short. Or your kids, our son Harrison, just had a birthday on Friday, and you're like, where does the time go? Time flies. All those things that we say, life is short. What do we say? They grow up before you know it. All those things. Who's ever said that? If your dad said it, you said it. <laughs> You're like your dad. You say what your dad says. Trust me. And so we all say those things, and life is short. But, but yet at the same time, if you ever had a day, we we're just like, man, Jesus, would you just come back already? Come on. You ever said that before? Maybe you said that this week. Lord Jesus, even so, as it says in Revelation 21, come quickly before I send this guy to you. Jesus, come quickly. 
There have been times when, when I've been on this earth, when, when I've been living and processing life and all the stuff that we have to download through life. And there have been times and moments where I said, Lord, would you just come back? Would you just come back? But then I'm reminded by the Holy Spirit that it's not my choice and it's not my decision. That Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit will remind me, Matt, it is not, it, it's finished, but I'm gonna, I've still got some work to complete in some people. And so while I want Jesus to come back right now, there's still some people that aren't in the house of Cross, Crossroads Church today who are sitting in front of a TV or who are trying to sleep, sleep through a hangover that they, that they were out late last night and early this morning who don't yet know Jesus Christ or who are in a drug-induced coma right now and who are blazed out on drugs and who have yet not found out Jesus or for the single mom who has no hope, whose uh, who's daddy of the children left her and left her with nothing and, 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 and she's sitting there raising kids her own and no one yet has told her about Jesus Christ. Or for the man who's tried everything in the world to give him peace from women and running and drugging and thugging and, and alcohol and everything to give him peace, but yet is not. Are you with me today, church? While I want Jesus to wrap it up today, the Holy Spirit reminds me there are people beyond these four walls who God is still finishing and still completing. And you know what? I would say that he is still doing a work in me. Raise your hand if God is still doing a work in you today. Amen? Yeah, he's still working on you. You're not perfect. You're all flawed and all messed up still. Isn't it funny that when we come to Jesus, we're not zapped? A magic wand isn't waved over us. We don't float and levitate off the ground and poof, we're immediately gone into heaven. When we give our life to Jesus Christ, we get up from an altar, wherever we got saved, at a camp, at a kid's camp, a youth camp, here at these altars, in your car, at your bed, at your house. When you're saved, Jesus leaves us here. Why? Because he's still doing a work in our lives. Look at your neighbor and say, it's not over. It's not over. It's not over. There are moments in our lives where the devil wants us to think that it's over, that there's no hope for us, that, you know what, you should just end your life. You should just throw in the chips. You should just throw in the towel. I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand because it's not an embarrassing thing. It should not be, but just for anonymity this morning, if you need to raise a hand inside of you, you can, but chances are, the majority of the house today at some point has said, you know what, God, if you're not going to finish it, I'll finish it for you. We've all probably, it's safe to say, the majority of the house today at some point in our life have had the thought, you know what, I'm just going to end life. Life's not worth living. It's overwhelming me. It's too much for me. I can't take it. I can't bear it. I can't go another day. This situation's too much for me. It's too tough for me. Pastor Matt, you don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what I'm suffering. You're right, friend. I may not know the details and the ins and outs of your life, but I promise you, as sure as I'm standing here and as you're sitting there, there is a God who is in heaven who sent his son, Jesus Christ. And when he stretched his arms on the cross and said it is finished, what he did in that moment continues to echo through generations and generations even until today. And he has poured out his love and lavished his love upon us. And the devil has whispered in your ear this week, this month, this year. You woke up on January the 1st, 2014, declaring with a skip 
and with a shout, oh, this year is going to be different. Then you woke up on January the 2nd, 2014, and before you could even get to another day, the devil was tapping on your shoulder. Who am I talking to today? He was trying to remind you that this year is not going to be better than last year, that the stuff that you fought last year, he's going to make sure that you fight it this year. God sent me all the way from Salado, Texas, to tell you that your Jesus is bigger than the whisper of any devil in hell, that the shout of Jesus is bigger than any whisper of the devil or any demon in hell or demonic influence or demonic distraction, that absolutely this year can be better for you, that you don't have to have the same kind of results that you had last year. My goodness, our God is a God of new things, of creation, of fresh starts and new beginnings. Amen. Second Corinthians five seventeen. if any man is in Christ, he's a New creation. Jesus didn't declare that you're an old creation or you stay the same. Man, when you're washed in the blood of Jesus, baby, your past is gone. You get a fresh start. Give God a praise in the house today. I'm preaching better than you're shouting today. It's the best I got. Years ago, I read the story of a, of a young missionary family, the wife. It was a young couple, the husband and wife, they moved to a third world country to do a work that the Lord has sent them there to do. And I've traveled to third world countries on missions trips. And some of our military men and women have been deployed to third world countries. And you can attest that things are different than they are here drastically in the U.S. And she got to her new home and began to clean her new home where this young couple would live. And she began to clean the floors, a woman after my own heart. And as she began to clean the floor, she scrubbed and she mopped and she brushed and scrubbed and mopped and mopped and brushed and scrubbed in that order and back in that order again. And no matter what she did, no matter how hard she scrubbed or how hard she mopped or how hard she rubbed the, the dirt floors, the dirt wouldn't come off. One day, a local came by and saw what she was doing and began to tell her a problem. She said, ma'am, the reason you can't get the dirt off the floor is because it's a dirt floor. <laughs> You ever felt in life that no, sometimes no matter how hard you work, how hard you push, how hard you contend, how hard you struggle, how hard you go for it, how hard you push and you struggle and you contend and you push and you struggle and you contend and you push and you struggle and you contend. Sometimes it feels like you're just not making any headway, doesn't it? Sometimes you push and you struggle and you contend and you push and you struggle and you can contend. And, and then we begin to doubt God and say things like, oh, man, I was better off before I knew God. Really? Really? That's what you're going to say. That's a lie from the enemy. The reason you can't clean the dirt off the floor, just not because it's a dirt floor, is because you're not the cleaner. He's the cleaner. He's the one that can clean it, not you. If you and I could clean the stuff out of our lives, what good is Jesus' death on the cross? That's why we need the intervention of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit in our lives. Amen? Look at your neighbor and say, stop cleaning. Oh, hallelujah. Shout on that one. You know what I'm saying? I don't mean go home and stop cleaning. Yeah. Some of you are like, I heard it. Pastor Matt prophesy. Somebody hashtag that right now. Stop cleaning. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. I got to move quick. Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. It says, therefore, 
we also wanted to, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight that's and the sin which so easily ensnares us, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking unto Jesus. Everyone say this out loud with me. Looking unto Jesus. What does it say? The who? And finisher of our faith. Say it this way. The author and finisher of my faith. Say that out loud. The author of my faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and he sat down at the right hand in the throne of God. Let's go back to the beginning of verse 2, please. It says, looking unto Jesus. Looking unto Jesus. Sing this song with me if you know it. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Sing it out. And look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory. And grace. One more time. Turn your eyes. And turn your eyes upon. Let me hear you sing it. Look full. Look full. And the things of this earth. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim. In the light of his glory. Man, looking unto Jesus. So often, church, and I'm as guilty as the next person, the next one in line. So often, we're so easily distracted. How many of you were fellowshipping with us earlier in the year? Yeah, you remember that sermon, Squirrel. How many remember that? I'm sorry if you're a guest for the first time today or you've joined us midstream. But those that were fellowshipping with us early in the year, how many, raise your hand, remember squirrel? That's what happens. Squirrel. We get so easily distracted by so many things. And it says we are to look unto Jesus, who is the author and finisher of our faith. Look at every, I want everyone to look at me this morning. Please wake up your neighbor if they're sleeping. You know, pinch them, give them, a, give them a, just a, a right foot of fellowship real quick if you need to. But listen, the author and finisher of our faith, who is writing your story today? Who's been writing in your book? Who have you let author your life? You need to shut out all the noise, all the chaos. Tell the devil politely, if, if you don't mind in church, me saying, shut up, devil. Jesus is the one holding the pen in my book. He is writing every day. Sometimes we don't like what's on page 51. Come on, somebody. We don't like what's on page 102. But you're not the author. You don't decide what gets in the book. You don't decide what gets written. When you hand over your life to Jesus, he is the author and finisher of our faith. Here's the best part of a book. When I was in high school and in college and trying to do my best to get through school, 
Now, I'm not my brother. My brother was an easy, straight-A guy. My wife was valedictorian. I had people around me that were smart. It just didn't get in me. Now, I don't know if everyone else has ever tried osmosis. You know, when no one else is around, you get, you're in your room. You're just like, I wonder if this really works. With the book, I'm going to stand in and put it on my head. It doesn't work, trust me, in the name of Jesus, you know. But listen, the best part about a book, if you're trying to cheat, is what do you do? You go to the back of the book, don't you? You find the cliff notes. Absolutely. My dad knows. That's where I learned it, right there. <laughs> the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. And we'll skip to the back and read the paraphrase of what the author says in general what the book is about. If I turn to the book of Revelation, the back of the book, I get to see how my story ends. Come on, somebody. Yeah, between the beginning and between the end, from the time I was born and, and December 30th, 1975, and, and, till, and when I was at youth camp, I'm meeting all these kids, and when I would tell them when I graduated high school, and they're like, what? I wasn't even born yet, you know? And, but from the time that I was born on December 30th, 1975, until whenever time I die and I go to be with the Lord, I know that sometimes the stuff in the middle of the book, it's tough, and it's challenging, and it's hard to get through, but I rejoice in the same breath because I know how the book ends. So guess what, church? No matter what comes my way, no matter what I have to face, I can say, you know what, devil? I know how the book ends. Feel like you got to do what you got to do, but I know what the author says about the situation. You might write that. It might be written like this on page 51, but guess what? Soon that page is going to turn. Come on, somebody. You should be giving God a shout in here because this is salvation for you. This is deliverance for you today. That God is the author of your book. Give God a praise. Stand on your feet today. Give God a shout in this place. We're going to end things a little different today. Normally we would go into a slow song and, and kind of go into this melodic, uh, melodic moment here and, and give God this, but, but we're not going to do that this morning. We're, we're going to turn a new page today, amen? We're going to end on a rejoicing note today. Your, your response today, if you want to come to the altar and worship, you can. If you're a guest for the first time today, say, what kind of church did I stumble onto? My goodness, I searched the website. None of this was on the website. Actually, it was. We're a Pentecostal church. We're a charismatic church. Amen. And listen, we believe that God will finish what he started. Amen. So I just want you to shout unto God. I want you to give God a praise because he's writing something new in your life. He's turning a new page today. Sing it out.